You know, there are a lot of movies out there, but there are very few movies that feature a beheading to the tune of the 20th Century Fox fanfare. That's right, motherfuckers. We talked about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls on this debut episode of Saturday Night at the Ruvies. This is not a sequel. There has never been anything like it. Lock up your kids and hide your fucking wife. Throw your husband down the basement stairs and lock the fucker in there. We're doing a movie podcast, and there's not a goddamn thing anyone can do about it. My name's Rue, and uh, yeah, this is a film podcast where I get uh, a friend, a cohort, a compatriot, a comrade, and I say, hey, have you ever seen this fucking movie? Do you want to talk about it? And then that's this podcast. That's what a f- that's typically what a movie podcast is for anyone new to the format, or or maybe just fell out of the sky onto this cursed earth, and said, uh, "What is this podcast thing everyone keeps talking about?" Well, dear listener, this is for you. That's what this is. It's that. And joining me on this fine day is one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, the, 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 the stars in my sky, the, the beacon of light in the blackness of this cold, uncaring reality. My favorite person in the whole goddamn world. And not to mention, like, the producer, editor, and co-host of this podcast. It's Hales! Oh, Hi! Oh, hi there. Oh, hi there. How you doing? I'm super good. I'm super glad you could join me here in our own home. Me too. In 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 the office that is a recording place. I'm glad that we have room for it, I guess. Yeah, you know, I can just like send you send you a message and just be like, "Hey, when you say podcast now and 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 you're like I'm sitting next to you exactly <laughs> when you say that you're sending a message to me do you mean that you just turned your head and went hey want to record a podcast <laughs> uh, actually I believe I light a fire um, in the TV room and I send smoke signals <laughs> and then I yell out don't light fires in there from director Ron Howard backdraft you're not supposed to light fires inside. To which I say, find me a more effective form of communication in the year 2022. Backdraft. You can't. <laughs> and then I point out that there's something known as messages that you can have on blimps. Yeah. And then I argue, but that's still not as effective as CQD. <laughs> I know... <laughs> That that everyone's switching over to Morse code, but I'm on CQD still, motherfucker, all right? I'm still on ham radios. It's fine. I'm still on a cup and a string. That's what I'm still using to have, have my fireside chats with Franklin Delano Roosevelt's ghost. <laughs> it's like, how's it going, Rue? And I'm like, not well, Frank really shit everything's gone to tits 
And he says, well, we have nothing to fear but fear. And I say, shut the fuck up. Do not say that again to me. <laughs> we have plenty to fear. Shut up. All right, you Dust Bowl presiding motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Taking shots at Franklin Delano Roosevelt, everybody. Backdraft. Very good. Very good, you know. Really, really. <laughs> Take the shots. Giving it to him like that fateful game of water polo did to him. He just so deserved it. He just deserves it. I think that's <laughs> that is the official political stance of this podcast. If you were president ever, you deserve it. Whatever, <laughs> go fuck yourself. You've now accrued an amount of sins that you'll never be able to atone for by simply being the president of the United States. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> you unimaginable bastard. <laughs> you did it. Congratulations. <laughs> so, hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. It's good to be back. Yeah. It's 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 weird getting back into podcasting after being away for so long. I know it's really odd. It is. It's the fairly odd parents. <laughs> the hit show. I'm clearly Cosmo. I'm clearly Butt Ringer. <laughs> Everyone's favorite character from Fairly Odd Parents, Butt Ringer. No, Philip is everyone's favorite character. The nickel. Oh, I thought it was pronounced Pilip. <laughs> Shows um, how much I fucking know. But yeah, I'm really excited to be back. It's like it's like riding a bicycle. Yeah. Yeah, it's like riding a really rusty bicycle you left outside for six months. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun because, like, one, you get hit by a bus, and two, you get tetanus. Yeah, it's so good. And three... You'll probably die. Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper, Sandra Bullock. Pop quiz. You have a hair trigger aimed at your head. What do you do? What do you do? Speed. Get ready for rush hour. <laughs> Podcasting. One of the most dangerous things you can do next to probably climbing K2 with a bunch of explosives like in the hit film Vertical Limit. <laughs> yeah, it's as precarious by far. Easily. It's like the cold open of Cliffhanger. <laughs> it's l podcasting is literally like living season one of the terror. Or even worse, like reading the book The Terror, because it's like 2,000 fucking pages. Like, what the fuck are we doing here, Dan Simmons? Please tell me. What the fuck? Dan? Dan? What are we doing here? I can't read this much. <laughs> the question is, is it as precarious as an American tale when you're climbing across that rope in the middle of the rainstorm? Oh, my God. That's On so the precarious. boat. Right? Slippery rope, you're a mouse. <laughs> Once again, the cartoon mice have it. <laughs> always They've got it. They've always got it. They've, you know, nobody in the world has ever had it harder than a cartoon mouse hails. 
let me tell you. And some people will say, uh, but what about this specific historical tragedy that happened? No, 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 no. Cartoon mice have it the worst. Well, yeah, if if you're a cartoon mouse written by Don Bluth, you have the the saddest experience until you triumph over it. That's me mother and father. <sighs> the cats got them two years ago in November. Yeah. And you know what? I fucking read those goddamn Redwall books. They're constantly doing a stabby stab. Oh yeah, Brian Jacques got it got it down pat. And hi, would you like sadness? I believe, but also I real quick, I believe it's pronounced Brian Jacques. Oh god. I had to explain to someone the other day why I knew how to pronounce Jacques and it was like, "Well, I read a lot of the Redwall books, so I know how to had to look up how to pronounce the writer's last name. Yeah. When Jacques. I was in seventh grade. Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Oh. Those books are so good. They're great. You know, Netflix is making um a movie about it. Hopefully it's as good as Netflix's Animal Farm adaptation. Oh goodness. That we all loved. And no wait, it wasn't Animal Farm. No. It was Watership Down. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's that's even worse. Yeah. Isn't it great living in a world without God's light to warm you? <laughs> I fucking love it. It's wonderful. Oh my God, I can hear my screams echoing throughout the land. On on a hollow, desiccated Earth, where God's light has forever left this planet, and we're <laughs> left to toil and make podcasts, <laughs> where we talk about movies like Beyond the Valley of the Fucking Dolls. <laughs> oh fuck! That gives it away <laughs> for the thing that you know that this podcast was about from the get-go. Yeah, we're talking about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls this episode on Saturday night at the Ruby. Yeah. Hey, Hills, what is a Ruby? A Ruby is when you go up onto the roof and you jump onto a trampoline, and when you jump off the trampoline, you do, like, a backflip, and you land it without breaking a leg. All right, I'll accept that. <laughs> Other answers that I would have accepted. Um, uh, just a swamp guy. <laughs> um, I also would have accepted the mulch king and his infernal sons. That girl, Kelly McNamara, is a tramp. She was living in a single room with three other individuals. One of them was a male, and the other two? Well, the other two were females. God only knows what they were up to in there. And furthermore, Susan, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to learn that all four of them habitually smoke marijuana cigarettes. This little movie, Beyond the Valley of Dolls, which is the definition of a ruvie to yes. me. Yes. And what is a ruvie? See, I talked myself back to where, before I went on the weird tangent, I found my way back. Well done. I'm you proud know. of you. You used your it. compass, you found it, you found that trail. I used my geppus. <laughs> Does anyone else use geppus to find your way around? It's pronounced geppus, right? 
Yes. Just like how I use Tom Tom. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought that's how you pronounce that one. <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck me sideways with a chainsaw. I've been wrong this whole time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, a movie is like a, just a movie that is a fucking experience of like constantly saying, what? Why? Ha? Whoa. Those are those are the the main emotions you want from a movie. Really, it's just movies I fucking like. Um, so yeah, that's what this whole podcast is, baby. It's just an excuse for me to have something to do, watch movies with people that I love, and talk about them. Hell yeah. And get off topic as much as possible. I mean, ideally, we would never talk about the movie, and this would just be a hangout podcast, but there has to be some amount of structure, you know? <laughs> upsetting. Genuinely upsetting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Hales. I appreciate that. I appreciate. I acknowledge your feelings, and I understand. I Thank you. I needed my suffering to be validated. <laughs> I am Sisyphus, and I'm constantly rolling fucking shitty movies up a hill. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. God, I love this fucking movie. It's so good. It is fucking amazing. Um, I saw this movie for my first time maybe back in, like, high school. Um was when I had seen it and it is always an experience you always see something new I've probably seen this movie more than any other movies like there might be like a few others that could contend for it but I would say like top top three most watched movies in my lifetime it's got to be Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Hills, what's your history with this movie written and directed, or written by Roger Ebert and directed by Russ Meyer? Um, I stumbled on this movie by accident. Uh, I was up late watching movies um, on cable. Um, God, probably in either my earliest stages of high school or latest stages of middle school. Um, Like, I can't remember when exactly I saw it, but I remember I was up super late. I um, had no idea what was happening. I just, like, I used to just watch any movie that came on super late at night, just, like, IFC Channel, logo, doesn't matter what it is, or HBO, who cares? Like, I'm just going to watch the shit out of it. Um, And Beyond the Valley of the Dolls came on, and it blew my mind and opened my mind to a lot of things. Um, it's a lot like taking hallucinogens for your first time. Yeah, and it's it's not something I'd recommend a 14-year-old to watch. Um, but 14-year-old me definitely, like I'm assuming I was about 14, uh, lucked out because it opened my eyes to a whole lot of stuff. 
Um, and I think I'm in the same boat. I think it's probably like third most watched movie that I've ever seen just because like I've either a introduced people to it. B, uh, talked to you about it countless times and now we've watched it a few times. Um, and C ashamedly admitted to people that I watched it. And then like, I had to rewatch it to be like, now this is the part, like why it's so good and not just go like, Hey, there's a lot of nudity and like weird concepts that like blew a small teenager's mind. Yeah, there is a lot of nudity in this movie. There's so much nudity. Yeah, uh, Russ Meyer famously um, did not know the film was going to be getting an NC-17 rating. Um, and when he found out, he apparently... Um, wanted to put more nudity and more sex scenes uh, into the film. So, I mean, good on you, Russ Meyer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> good job. Good job, buddy. Because holy shit, there's like tits and ass in every shot of this movie. Yeah, it it definitely like the amount of nudity there is. That was the moment that like young me was like questioning sexuality because I just went like. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, this movie has a very sapphic gaze. Oh, like, yeah, 100%. Um, But, yeah, what a fucking trip. If you haven't seen Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, what are you doing? Like, I'm sorry this is your intro to the movie, but, like, Hey, you're a trailblazer. You're a maverick. You're blazing your own path. But woof. What an experience of a film. My honest recommendation is if you're going to listen to this episode, you should definitely go watch it and like don't watch it around kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> like go to if you have children, go to the other side of the house, lock yourself in a room, watch the movie and just be ready for a trip of a lifetime and then like then hide the DVD and never show it to anybody else. Just treat it like a porn stash. <laughs> exactly. Just, you know, leave a copy out in the woods for some kids to find. <laughs> As we all know how porn was distributed <laughs> back in the day. So you Back just when go it was out. just shoved in a tree trunk, like a hollowed yeah. out tree yeah, trunk. Yeah, you just go find some porn out in the fucking woods. What thing did I watch? There was something I watched like in my adulthood where someone referenced like a hollowed out tree trunk that they would stash like porno mags in and stuff like that and have kids go find it. And like it was supposed to be shared amongst adults and kids would go find it. And like that's fucking wild to me. Yeah, or um, kids are just stashing it out out in the woods for each other to use. That's also wild. Uh, I mean, granted, I was gr I was raised in a place that did not necessarily have close woods to go hide shit in. I think like the weirdest thing is that I need to know about all this. What is the point of jacking off in the woods? <laughs> what I don't understand, like. Is do you have that little privacy and 
you have to go out into the woods to stash your pornography. I mean, I could see that. I, I had, a <laughs> I was a terrible child at a certain point. I definitely was threatened with zero door allowed on my bedroom. So I could see, like, if someone was had some parents that were overprotective and or did not trust them, like, that, zero privacy. That's crazy. You had a zero door? No, I was threatened with it. Luckily, uh, I, like, staved off Cause, of Because I was going to say they did a zero walls policy for me. Uh, and they so just, you had a door, it, but no wall. It was like The Sims. <laughs> It was like the fucking Sims. Just one day, like, all the walls got deleted. Roof was still there. Somehow it was just, still standing. Just suspended. It's held up by something. Some fucking roller co- coaster tycoon mad god tyrant <laughs> said, fuck, fuck this bitch's walls. Um, oh god. It was so even crazier that. because, like, the window pane and the glass still stayed there, just hung. So you had, like, transparent walls. uh, No, no, there were no walls. So you could fall through. Yes. (laughs) I lived in some sort of liminal space, Hales. Help. (laughs) Well, you escaped. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I lived in Gary's Mod. Oh, my God. (laughs) Proud of you. For Thank escaping Gary's mod. Thank you. I used a portal gun. Good, good, smart, good yeah. choice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> it's, just, it's, you know, I'm just thrilled to be here and, um, you know, glad I escaped from my um, life living as a tea posing tabula rasa <laughs> of a person. <laughs> That was great. Um, but you know what else is great? What's that? Movies that start with disclaimers saying, this movie has nothing to do with this other shit. Yes. Uh, I'll agree with that. I love how this movie begins with, hey, this has really nothing to do with Valley of the Dolls, but maybe a little bit. Maybe we- a little. We have no legal right to say it has anything to do with Valley of the Dolls, but it's kind of inspired by Valley of the Dolls. It's so bizarre. And then, like, just cut to a Nazi chasing a woman. Um, just what a weird fucking way to start a movie. Um, yeah, this movie, like, I don't goes. know. It totally goes. I I've watched it so many times, and this most recent watch, when we were, like, taking notes for it, um, there are so many things I've missed because it's a movie that feels like a trip. So you're just kind of along for the vibe and the confusing components of it. So sitting there and actually dissecting it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? It throws so much at you. It does. Oh, my God. Again, every frame is so dense. Oh, my God. It's so dense. Every single image has so many things going on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please. Um, but, yeah, it's there's so much that this movie throws at you with so little explanation that you just, like, this is what we're doing now, I guess. Yeah. It's like like when you're hanging out with 
your friends and you're all like pretty fucking stoned or like you're a little tipsy or something like that and you're like once you're comfortable with the vibe and everything the next thing you know they're like oh yeah we're going to fucking astro world <laughs> we're going to six flags motherfucker like we're going we're going theme parking bitch and uh, what we're doing this now yeah. And then once you get comfortable at the theme park, they say, we're going to the water park next door. Yeah, it's just constantly a moving. It's one of those uh, those people movers at the airport, except like it's like a haunted house where each like stage of it is just a new room. And it's like, what? You got used to this. Well, how about this? Well, how about this? And the entire time they're just shoving tits in your face. Yeah. Constantly. It's just all the ghosts are are tits out <laughs> tits out for ghosts <laughs> um so yeah we we go to the westmont uh uh high school prom um yeah which is a trip to realize that they were at a prom i know i've recognized this each time i've watched it but like putting two and two together of like oh fuck they're at a prom how weird is that <laughs> Which I guess it's a good time to bring up the actual, like, what is the story of this movie? This movie is about, according to, like, the official synopsis, basically three girls in a rock band who hit it big in L.A. and fall in uh, to a self-destructive spiral of drug, sex, and rock and roll. Um, Their manager's part of that, too. Yeah, well, Harris is a big part of it. Um, but, yeah. there's th That is the bare minimum of what happens in this movie. Because... Because holy shit. What the fuck is happening, even? Yeah. Um, because after, after the dance, after we're introduced to uh, the girls who cannot play their instruments... Right. Also, we have that wonderful brief moment where we get this, like, the background actors that are playing teachers that are like, oh, no, I can't handle that music, so I'm going to play my music. Bunch of squares. There's a guy who gets on stage who's like, well, rock and roll isn't for me. A disgrace. Absolutely disgusting. I'd like to cut that. <laughs> Rock and roll's not my cup of poison. I remember when I was Yeah, it's uh, I I just remembered that part. It's one of my favorite moments. The the old lady who's like, how disgraceful. Oh god, that's right. That lady is like And then the guy's like, I'd like to cut that. <laughs> but you get to see Harris twirling a color wheel. Got his little Roy G. Biv action going on. Yeah. What a gig. What a gig to have. And you have an entire dance floor of uh, uh, essentially, supposedly, teenagers graduating high school soon who are all like, fuck yes, this music is everything. Fuck yeah, they're playing Find It, one of the greatest songs committed to tape. Find It! Yeah, uh, it's real good. 
Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, all the tracks on this uh, by the by the Kelly Affair and the Carrie Nations, <laughs> indeed, are all bangers. Even the tune by the Strawberry Alarm Clocks. Um, oh, so good. I mean, come on. You know, I've been to parties where they spin the strawberry alarm clocks, but I've never been to parties that actually have the strawberry alarm clocks or whatever the line is. I think that's about about right. That's pretty close. You know, I'm auditioning for the reboot. Are you auditioning for the uh, Broadway stage performance of Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Oh, my God, please. Listen, Broadway, the street. Hey, if you're listening... Broadway with your asphalt ears. Hey, cast me as Z-Man Barzal, baby. <laughs> Please. Um, that would be an off-off Broadway production. No, fuck that. We're good enough for Broadway. Yeah, I think that would be. I don't. I think. I think it would be on Broadway. I don't think it would be off-off Broadway. I think it'd be very much on Broadway. Just. Lovingly scandalizing everybody. In the middle of the street. <laughs> oh, I get it now. So it's it's uh it's gorilla gorilla um theatrical performance. Yes, but in a gigantic theater in the middle of the street. Oh goodness. Yeah. Good. I love it. That's the kind of respect Let's construct that theater. That's the kind of respect beyond the Valley of the Dolls commands. Okay. <laughs> Just no more traffic here. We block it now. No. It's a theater. Drive into this theater. We've effectively banned cars in cities so that Beyond the Valley of the Dolls can play on Broadway. Oh, is that the whole Oh goodness, that's that's our uh our pinnacle moment of how we get cars banned from city centers is uh Beyond the Valley of the Dolls could be in the heart of Broadway. As long as you get rid of cars. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good trade. I love it. I think it works. Well, who knew we would solve the planet's problems on this first episode, but look <laughs> at us. It's uh, incredible. Well, anyway, anyway. Anyway, um we got this amazing senior prom playing the gig. Uh then they go to smoke a bone in the in the van. Um and also be aroused to, like, the Andy Griffith theme song. Yeah, that was weird. When they're all smoking, it really bugged me because, like, the way that they edited the clips, it made it look like no one was actually smoking. Like, you know when, like, people creatively try to edit and be like, oh, yeah, they're smoking a cigarette, but you can't tell that they're not smoking the cigarette because we're going to cut away from them before they have to blow out the smoke. But then there's one girl, and they focus on her while she's straight up smoking and like there's a whole plume of like this cloud of smoke and like it got on my nerves i was like if one girl's doing it all the girls should do <laughs> like solidarity all the girls gotta be fucking blazed to the goddamn tits together what the fuck just bumming me out Bummed me out that they're not all in it together. Where's that Three Musketeers mindset? All for one and one for all. Yeah. Wait, that's what the Three Musketeers say? <laughs> Are you serious? 
All for one and one for all. Oh my gosh. I, for the longest time, thought it was I for one and we're a mall. <laughs> oh my gosh. I cannot believe that. Now it makes so much more sense. I was like, why are the three musketeers all shopping centers? I don't understand. Are they all so interested in shopping? Why? I don't get it. Oh my God. Th- that makes sense that there's like not like, you know, um, a French swordsman mall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the name of the three musketeers off the. There's not a D'Artagnan mall, is there? D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. That's it. That. That's his name. I've seen Man with the Iron Mask once. <laughs> I've seen Disney's Three Musketeers before I with saw, Chris O'Donnell. I saw the movie The Musketeer when it came out. Backdraft. <laughs> and it was a movie. It was. It existed and was filmed. It was over in an hour and 45 minutes. It's so dense. Every single image has so many things going on. <laughs> That's what I want to, like, I just want to do, like, extreme, like, movie reviews with, like, the utmost conviction, but, like, the most bland, damning with faint praise. Like, I didn't get up to go to the bathroom once during it. I certainly didn't leave the theater once at all the entire time. I did not walk out. I enjoyed the popcorn. The chairs were quite pleasant. It took forever to get parking. (laughs) That's not positive. (laughs) I fucked up my own bit. The trailers were quite lovely. I am very excited to see Mamma Mia 2, Mamma Mia Ear. There's already a Mamma Mia 2. I know. I couldn't remember the subtitle for it. Um, I think it's just Here We Go Again. Oh, I thought it was like More Mama, Mas Mia. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I looked it up recently. Yeah, because you I recently was watched Mamma Mia. Yeah, and I'm mad at myself about it. But also, I was tempted to try and figure out how to watch the second one. I'm mad at myself about this. I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed, too. Hey, but luckily, like, if you want to watch Mamma Mia too, and really go for more... Oh, I'm not going to pay ABBA for it, though. covers from old people. Look, older... People covering ABBA is kind of precious. Oh, those are the only people who are covering ABBA. ABBA's great. Uh, Muriel's Wedding, great movie. Yes. Just saying. That entire movie has ABBA throughout it. Yeah. I'm, look, I'm not saying ABBA is, is not. Look, Mamma Mia is not good. I'm going to be controversial in saying that. It's not good. I know this. Is that But did I enjoy it? Did I enjoy it? A little bit. And did I just crave musicals and decided to watch whatever was available at that moment? Yes. <laughs> it was a musical. It was a musical. And was Meryl Streep in it? Yes. And did I also watch it for Stellan Skarsgård? Yes. And uh, did he see graphite on the <laughs> roof? Exactly. 
<laughs> Mamma um, mia, why did I see graphite on that roof? <laughs> Am I ashamed? No. You shouldn't be. I'm ashamed about none of the choices I make in terms of watching crap. Well, you know what? You should be um, upset and embarrassed and ashamed about. What's that? Um, that you can't tell me how an RBM NK reactor melts down. Why? For the same reason our reactors do not have containment buildings around them, like those in the West. For the same reason we don't use properly enriched fuel in our cores. For the same reason we are the only nation that builds water-cooled graphite-moderated reactors with a positive void coefficient. It's cheaper. Ah, <laughs> oh, Chernobyl's so good. Comrade Jelbina. God, I love that fucking show. It's super good. So good. Anyway. Anyway. We're talking about Beyond so, the Valley of the Dog. So, um... Found it! Um, but now we get to one of my favorite moments in this movie, which is uh, the montage um, to beat poetry, where you cannot follow the integral plot information that is being fed to you because they're throwing imagery at you so quickly, set to nonsense poetry. I've watched this movie so many times, and I still am learning what the hell they're talking about in the plot in that montage. Yeah, they talk about, like, oh, we should go to L.A. Why? Because my rich Aunt Susan is there, and there's a family inheritance, and I haven't collected my share of it, so let's go to L.A. and get some paper. Yeah, I never got that part. What I got was uh, a random person steps on an egg, um, and someone whispers, I'm impure. And also, Aunt Susan has great tits. Yeah, so much nudity and sex. And I, I wrote nudity, sets, sex, etc. Yeah. Um, and also, the soundtrack in there is great. Yeah. No, in L.A. L.A.? Where is that? We get crushed. No, no. Small. Can't see. Climate too tree. Lousy trap. Love to walk. No culture. Grooves a lot. Cold and cruel. Swimming pool. Phony city. So pretty. Religious nuts. Pixel pines. Noisy. Noisy. So beat brother. Tinsel town. Solid city. Body. Ugly. Gassy. Classy. Cheap anyhow. Yeah, like, wow. Very dirty. Diamond pure. Dull scene. My dream. Square, hey? No way. Sick and low. A living show. It's got no class. Nothing but. Empty. No heart. Full sweetheart. It's a no-talent town. Don't put it down. Chunky heaven. Not for me. Dishonest clown. Sincere, you'll see. Perverts. Fruits. Swingers. Cooks. Obvious. Stinks. Ooh, All strangers. Wait, not all. Like who? Like my aunt. Since when? Since Aunt Susan. Oh, yeah? Rich. And Susan. Bitch and Susan. Got my share. Of what? Of the bread. Cool head. So we go. So go. It's so dense. Every single image has so many things going on. Well, so... So I absorbed none of the plot from that montage. That, that montage is a fucking fever dream. Like, it is. It is 
so bizarre and like I don't know how anyone can like watch that for the first time and be like this choice makes sense there's there's moments in that montage that they call back to later in the movie yep that legitimately the minute you see it later in the movie you're like it still doesn't make sense yeah like i don't understand why you did it or then or now but okay yep yeah but yeah so after that's after the montage um we get probably pound for pound one of my favorite sequences in the entire movie um which is Harris begrudgingly driving across the country, um, looking so unbelievably bothered. Um, <laughs> and I can see why Harris seems annoyed. He's had these three ladies in this van singing uh, Come With the Gentle People for like, I don't know, two, three days. Based on the map, they're starting from Dumas, Texas, and we'll get back to that in a sec. But he also has this, like, map over his face. So on top of driving the entire way from Dumas, Texas to Los Angeles with the same song being screamed in his ear and a gigantic transparent map overlaid over his vision, yeah, I would be fucking annoyed. Yeah, I, I'm still bothered that they didn't share the load. I think that's an unfair request that your manager is required to be the driver the entire time. But, Hales, who is going to sing Come With the Gentle People? I know how to sing while I'm driving. I don't understand why they couldn't. Not like they were they were belting it. They had that extra mobility. They're clapping along. <laughs> Can't do that while driving. Are you insane? Are you an insane? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or you could do it because you have four arms like Goro from Mortal Kombat. Oh, I wish. Yeah? No. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and so it, based on the map, it looks like they originated from Dumas, Texas, um, which if you've been to Dumas, Texas. It's a small town. Um, and we used to go on family road trips like all the time growing up. And we would have to pass through Dumas. And you'd be greeted when you drive into Dumas with a sign that says, Welcome to Dumas, Texas. Home of the Ding Dong Daddies. Um, Where do I get one? I mean, you can just go to any neighborhood and just be like, I need a ding-dong daddy. <laughs> right. I mean, that's... Is Dumas, Texas super, like, awesome? That's where... No. Right. No. But that is where the secret government facility that makes ding-dong daddies, like like school <laughs> children in another brick in the wall, is. Oh. Yeah. That's where all the ding-dong daddies come from. Okay, but, like, are the ding-dong daddies actually what we're thinking, or are they some play on, like, the swing bands of of the 90s? I think it's a play on the, the sweet treat of ding-dong. Ding-dongs are great. What about a devil dog, though? Well, th 
I don't know if they got that sponsorship or not. <laughs> I like to think it's Ding Dong Daddies, which is well-hung gay men who are half clock. <laughs> with all their many gears. Kind oh, of see. like a an erotic, well-hung, just big ol' anaconda in the trousers version of Cogsworth. See, I was with thinking... more skin. <laughs> I was thinking them as very well-hung gay men who uh, doorbell ditch people. Oh, uh, well, fuck them. Fucking ring and run motherfuckers. Well, if they're, if they're doorbell ditching the right people, it's fine. Well, yeah, but still, if we don't know what their vigilantism pertains to, they could be right cunts about it. That's true. That's fair. So the, I'm going to stand by my definition of ding-dong daddies because who doesn't want to get your finger stuck in the gears of some fleshy clock man? <laughs> <laughs> snarf, snarf. <laughs> snarf? Snarf. Snarf, snarf. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um... Dumas, Texas, home of the Ding Dong Daddies. If you're a Ding Dong Daddy, hit up Hales. Yeah, explain to me. No, just hit hit them up. So yeah, after the uh, driving with a map in the face and having come with the gentle people being screamed in his ear, uh, they arrive at uh, Aunt Susan's studio where everybody is wearing fabulous outfits. And if you're not, you look great not wearing anything. Yeah. Also, for some reason, they only let Kelly go in. Everyone else stays in the van. Yeah. Well, they they got, they got they like go to the hotel or some shit, I think. And they dropped Kelly off. Is there a hotel? Clearly I get the there impression is because she calls Harris. Oh. God, how much attention did I give this movie? Because I was under the impression they stayed in that van most of the time. Look, there are people who watch Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and who have seen Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. And then there are people who become Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> did you become Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Uh, like Videodrome, like... Fucking grew a vagina on my stomach and lost a gun in there. <laughs> um, anyway, God, I love Videodrome. Videodrome's a great movie. Gonna watch that on this podcast sometime. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, um, but they're at this photo shoot. Uh, Kelly looks stoked to be there for all of it. Like, what is this shoot for? Everyone's naked. Kelly's super stoked. Yeah, she's very stoked. And she's wearing a Daphne fucking do. I'm assuming that's not Daphne's like she's no. married to Scooby. She's not married to Scooby Doo. <laughs> it's not Daphne Do. <sighs> well, they could be brother and sister. It's not Fred Do. And it's not even um it's not even Shaggy Do. 
Well, this Scooby Doo has his own dog. This was all. This was all shit that was canonically possible up until a pup named Scooby Doo <laughs> came along and ruined the franchise with all these concrete answers to the lore of the Scooby ga- of the of Mystery Inc. Scooby Doo, um, but yeah. Um, I love the fit. I love the, um, model with the pedals over her, her butt and crotch and nipples getting dropped from a wicker basket suspended by a wire. Like, yo, get me on a pulley system, bitch. I'm ready. Put me in coach Susan. (laughs) I still, I just need to know what this shoot is about. Like, I gotta know. Is it just an art shoot? Is it just, this is how it was in the 60s? Like, what's up? It's for flower nips. Flower nips. The ad for yeah. flower nips. Duh. <laughs> 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 Don't you know? It's for flower nips. <laughs> I mean, come on. Get it together, Hales. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Found it. Um, so after that, uh, we go to Aunt Susan's pad. Yes, for dinner. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um if they talk about the money. They do. At, in a in an accent that is held together with duct tape and hope. Oh yeah, I, I uh, Dolly Reed's accent, um, playing Kelly McNamara. Tr- try to figure it out. Where is she from? Australia, UK, Wisconsin. Yeah, it could be any Long one of those Island. three. I've not heard Long Island in that one. I'm thinking Long Island in like 1910. So transatlantic. Yeah, like a little. I am Andrew Ryan, and I'm here to ask you a question. Like that. See, I was thinking more. I'm frightened. I'm frightened, Annie. Am I frightened? Oh, please don't make me wear another girdle. Oh my God. Please stop hitting me, Mr. Director. I swear I'll sing and dance the way you want me to. Oh, you're too fat, Judy. Oh, poor, poor Judy. Found it. Um, but anyway, they talk about money, and like, frankly, Susan rocks. Yeah, Su- Susan rules. I love Aunt Susan. Aunt Susan's dope as fuck. Porter Hall, on the other hand, Porter, uh, is a piece of shit. The worst. He's scandalized by fucking everything. Oh my god, he's a real pearl clutcher. I love that he's scandalized. And I don't mean a cum catcher. <laughs> I I adore that he's scandalized by um a rock and roll musician. Oh my god, could you imagine? And then get this, he brings up like uh later that um oh my god. T- two of the people she was shacking up with were female could you imagine oh my god 
they must have been lezzing out the entire fucking time, <laughs> just finger blasting and scissoring till the cows come home. He also Gross. he also has a problem with her dubious pedigree. Oh my god! What is it they also say about Porter Hall that he's um, a master of counterfeit astonishment or something like that? I think it's like you certainly have a knack for counterfeit astonishment or something like that. But that's it's a very great good. line. Yeah, it's fucking great. Um, but yeah, Porter is like an absolutely repugnant piece of shit. He's just garbage. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Um, then we uh, we get to the party. Um, yeah, next up we go to a party, which it's a very quick transition from a dinner to a party. Yeah, it just goes in there. Like, you're suddenly at Z-Man Barzell's party. The strawberry alarm clocks are there playing. Um, yeah. It's basically like... And then Z-Man shows up to give Kelly a tour, and suddenly it is MTV Cribs with Z-Man Barzell. Also, everyone's makeup is fucking gorgeous. Oh, my God. The fucking looks in this movie. Like. They're phenomenal. Ah. Uh, everyone's style is so on point. Everyone's makeup is on point. Like. Everyone is fucking gorgeous. Maybe, like, except for, like, the creepy lady with the red hair who's like, I'd like to strap you on sometime. Uh, or No, she's got her own shit going. She's yeah, great. Yeah, she's got her own thing. And then there's the, the weird dude who says, have you ever been whipped with a Willy Wong until the blood came? And it's like, what's going on there? I missed that line. Yeah, it's it's a um, strange one. I love the golden thing that Vanessa is wearing. Oh, um, Vanessa. Vanessa's like uh, Z-Man's like assistant. Oh yes, friend. yes, yes, and also describes her as a bodyguard. Yeah, she's just like a Star Trek Deep Space Nine character. But it's this golden goddess thing it's so beautiful and it's high necked and it's like she just looks regal she looks like um uh like like a cleopatra if cleopatra was a solar panel sure i mean it's very like yeah futuristic yet like old world yeah it's beautiful she is gorgeous she looks like a queen she looks like she could dominate everybody like Chef's kiss. Um, uh, let's see what else I have. Uh, Casey's eyelashes are beautiful. Yeah, and like, cause she has those like weird separated ones that are just. I know this is spider like, lashes. This is the makeup and fashion section of this. Um, but I couldn't stop like oogling people's like fashion and makeup choices. Like this is very sixties. Um, but it's like far out. Everyone in this movie is absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Um, and you wonder if a lot of that is because a lot of the cast in this movie are Playboy models, um, including um, Dolly Reed, uh, Kelly McNamara. Um, yeah, which is great. No, that's so rad. Um, more movies need to do this. Also, I would love that. Fun fact. Um, 
um, a actress by the name of Pam Greer is in this movie. Um, her she's not viewable as an extra. Um, she had one line that was filmed, and she used a British accent. Russ Meyer hated it, so he didn't include her in the movie anymore. Um, there's like a shot of her. Um, like a photograph of her character on a bedside table in the movie. That's so um, cool. But yeah. Aw, Pam Greer. I love Pam Greer. So, yeah. Pam Greer, like, when I saw her in everything that I watched her in, like, I was obsessed with her. And then the fact that she showed up in L Word later in life, like, made me so happy. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Side note. No, um, I appreciate side notes. We also meet during this sequence Ashley St. Ives. Oh. Um, and she knows Harris somehow because she's like, she. We're under the impression they've never met before, right? See, I assume, always assume, but she saw it. She sees him. And she says, she knows his name immediately. She probably asked around. He just walked in the door. I don't know. I'm under the impression that she had no idea who he was, but was like tractor beam level. Like, I'm going to But she get called you. him Harris. She says, why, hello there, Harris. That's so weird. And it's like, wh okay, what is, do they have a history? Or it's like, in this universe, everyone just knows each other's names? Yeah, it's very weird. It's very weird their whole interaction, um, and also what are happening? What is going on with her footwear? Isn't she like basically barefoot most of the time? She's mostly barefoot, but she's got like this one thong. It's not even connected to a sandal. I don't know. It's very strange. Her whole her whole look, her whole vibe, the entire movie is somewhat inappropriate for where she's at. Yeah. Um, and it makes me love her. Yeah. Ashley is one of my favorite characters of this entire movie. Yeah, Ashley St. Ives forever. She is uh she is confident, she is cool, she is uh brash and straightforward and straight shooting and she like knows what she wants and she's going to get it and then if sh she doesn't like a situation she's going to say it like she is just straight up and i adore her yeah um let's see there there also uh is the line uh the clothing designer is awesome mm -hmm. by the way um who we later talk I'll talk more about them later. But also, Ashley St. Ives says, come into my den of the spider. She says, come into my den, said the spider, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I love her so much. Yeah, um, she's fantastic. There's also Emerson. Yeah, so we meet Emerson Thorne, a lawyer. Um, uh Lawyer in training. In training. Yeah, That's he's in right. college to be a lawyer. I, I love also how they're having this huge party, but Vanessa tells Emerson, like, these people are dying of thirst. Did you not plan to have beverages 
for people. Also, why is this on Emerson only? Yeah, what is going on? Like, yeah, Vanessa is, like, yelling at Emerson for not having the right amount of booze. But, like, it's not Emerson's party. Emerson is there as the bartender. So why is he responsible for all of the alcohol? That sounds like a Z-Man and Vanessa problem. Yeah, it does. But also, Emerson is truly charming, so he just gets right through that conversation like it ain't no thing. Yeah, we get a little meet-cute with him and Petronella, which, in case you didn't know, because this movie barely says her name at all, uh, her name is Petronella. Yeah, I still wrote it down wrong. Like, you had to correct me, which I love. Um, Thank you. I'm glad you love when I correct you. I love when I'm corrected on the right things. I like to know that her name is Petronella, not Patronella. Patronella. Hey, Patronella, will you come over here and get some salmonella? Get the salmonella of my dirty old chicken. I give you this chicken on a Thursday night. And if it's not Thursday, you can't have my chicken. If you don't want my chicken, then you won't get sick. Wow, I'm so glad we got to hear the new Modest Mouse single on this <laughs> podcast. What an incredible exclusive. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, both renditions of the name, I feel, are similarly uh, sensible. But uh, I like knowing the proper way to say someone's name. Um, let's see. Uh, it's weird to say also, but by the way, uh, Z-Man, because we get that tour and we get introduced to Z-Man the whole time, yeah. like in this backdrop. So you get like constant cuts between Z-Man and the party. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling that in my early um, 20s slash late teens, I totally met someone similar to a Z-Man confidence before, like that style of attitude and like party host and like. It's very surreal. Yeah, I mean, he has the famous line, this is my happening, and it freaks me out, which was used in Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. That's true. Um, to the same Strawberry Alarm Clock song. So it's true. reference to Beyond the Valley of Dolls in Austin Powers. Um, also, Candyman, great song. Yeah, oh, smooth talking Candyman. Oh my God. This is where Z Man tells um tells them that their name is bullshit. Um and the they are going to be renamed from the Kelly Affair to the Carry Nations. The Carry Nations. So yeah. The Kelly Affair. The Carry Nations. Which team are you, Hales? Uh, I guess Kerry Nation, because I think Kelly Affair is rude, because it only acknowledges Kelly. Yeah. Like, and there's there's three women in this team here, and they all deserve recognition. They all sing. They all play instruments. That's right. I I'm also partial to the Kerry Nations. I think that's a dope band name. Um, but yeah, then they um. <coughs> Uh, they play uh, In the Long Run. It shows them in the studio laying down the track In the Long Run while um, Z-Man and Harris 
exchange gay longing looks um, superimposed. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, there is, is so much subtext. Fantastic. Um, backstage also, uh, there's the scoring at the library moment. Oh, oh, so that's after this. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, because then they transition from, like, them in the studio to them performing in the long run live. And oh, that, right. That venue is sick as fuck. Yeah. Like, I would go see the Carrie Nations play there. Oh, hell yeah. I would see the Carrie Nations play almost anywhere, though. I mean, who wouldn't? With tracks like these. I mean, they slap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were you, so scoring in the dressing? Oh, t- when, when, uh, Petronella is explaining, uh, like, what she did earlier that day, and, like, they were talking about, like, oh, yeah, I met up with my, like, dealer, um, or whatever, and I scored, but also I hung out with Emerson, and Kelly puts two and two together, and she's like, did you score at the library where you were hanging out with Emerson? It's like, yeah, I ran into him there at the library when Emerson walked away for a little bit. And it's like, all right, cool. And it's like, this is going to pay off, right? And no, 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 it has nothing to do. Like there's, there's a good minute of screen time. It's just an inconsequential conversation. <laughs> like there's so much there's so much shit that like you think that well this has got to mean something. This is coming back somehow. Yeah. And it never does. No. Also um during that time we also see that Casey is sad and I'm just going to point it out right now. I don't appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I don't ever want to see Casey sad. Casey rules. I don't want her sad. I love her. She's so pretty. Um, we also get Lance scorning Miriam. Oh, yeah. Well, at least let me call you a cab. <laughs> exactly. Lance Rock is such a fucking douchebag. He's such a gross example of humanity. Blah. Oh, he makes my skin grow. I love when Z-Man introduces him with like... Uh, the golden hair, the bedroom eyes, the firm young body, all of these are available at a price. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, gross. Ugh. Um, Yeah, he's just going around, like, leeching off women and just, like, conning them. Yeah, just like, I will trade myself for all of your money. Which, like, hey, there's nothing wrong with that, but he's, like, really predatory about it. And oh, it's yeah, he's, gross. he does it in a way that's not, uh, he does it in a way that's not honest, so it's kind of gross. Like, with Miriam at the party scene, like, earlier, his introduction is blatantly him going, like, I need $72,000 or something similar to that. And she's like, but I gave you $7,600 last week. And he's like, 72000 though. And she's just like, okay, I don't understand. Like, he's not saying it in a way where it's like, hi, this is our give and take. It's more just like, I'm being sneaky about it. He's, okay. He's fucking terrible. He's really gross. Um, we I also, also like how you make him sound like a gay man when in reality he talks like that. He does talk like that. He's Catherine Hepburn. He's a very bad Catherine Hepburn. Andrew Ryan. 
Um, no, it's it's more why just like when someone's. These, why are we beyond the valley of the dolls? I guess I this is this is an admittedly terrible thing about me. I guess when someone's being shady, I guess I go into this like valley girl shit voice. I feel like this is a personal attack on me at this point. <laughs> it's not. I apologize. I feel like this is some sort of projecting some some sort of of ill will that you have towards me or some kind of grudge and this is how you're bringing it out on me <laughs> it has nothing to do with you um talk about shady get the fuck out of here uh moving on down the line we've got ashley is there also at the backstage and she is so forward and scary and i love her so much i have a question yeah <laughs> is there anything like a rolls Not even a Bentley. Not even a Bentley. A Bentley. Um, Rolls. I think I think I have a crush on Ashley St. I think you do too. (laughs) Because half of my notes are me going like, she knows what she wants and she's gonna get it, and I love her. She's the best. She's great. She's. I legitimately powerful slut. I wrote. I love it. I wrote down the quote: Bentley, Bentley, Bentley. Like a rolls. It's so ridiculous. God, I love her so much. Um, yeah. So that's like that's like that whole backstage session is just like this weird conversational like level of confusion and showing the characters in like an off stage presence, right? Yeah. Um, and then we get parking, <laughs> which is where we get the Bentley quote. Yeah, from one of the greatest sex scenes in film history. It's so good. So incredible. Intercut with footage of Rolls and Bentleys. Yep. Speed. Perfect. Phenomenal. And then we go to Susan's office. I love Susan's office. I'm obsessed with it. I'm fucking obsessed with that bitch's office. I want it. I need it. I also love how in this scene, Kelly's like, fuck a third of a mil. It's got to be half a mil. It's got to oh, be. Oh, yeah. Out. Well, she was clued in. I love that. Uh, where it wasn't like, Susan was being chill and all, but mm, it's not fair. Also, I love the quote. Because uh, I, I have a lot of quotes I wrote down. Um, I love that Kelly says, up yours, ratso. Oh, God. Up yours, ratso. So good. What a great line. I'm going to get that tattooed on my forehead. Right under my tattoo on my forehead that says damaged. So that people <laughs> know I'm the Joker. Honka, honka. <laughs> honka, honka. Um, so yeah, after that, um, we have Emerson and Petronella studying and frolicking. I love this couple so much. They're so cute. I also, one thing I, I really appreciated that um, was a conscious decision from... Uh, Roger Ebert and Russ Meyer was, they said they were tired of seeing um, uh, black couples on film only being portrayed in urban environments. And so they said, well, fuck it. People go outside, man. That's so sweet. Like, I didn't them realize. A, put them on, like, have, like, let them have a date in the fucking countryside. I love that that was a conscious decision. Because, like, I legitimately was like, oh, this is so beautiful to me that, like, there's not 
some like shitty implications like that it's just this sweet moment of like studying and frolicking like literally i wrote down so much frolicking oh it's great um i love that that was a conscious decision that makes me super happy yeah um also i'm just gonna point out she knows as much as he does in that study session yeah i love that she getting smarter too hell yeah that's the cool thing about being a study partner is you learn a shitload of stuff too. It's pretty neat. Totes. Um, then uh, Lance gets his hooks into Kelly. Kelly's going to meet Porter at O'Rourke's. Um, and Kelly meets Porter at O'Rourke's. And let me tell you about something about Kelly. Kelly and I have like the same dance moves. <laughs> it's true. Like, I can vouch for exactly that. Exactly the same. When she goes and turns on that jukebox, I'm like, I am living right now. I'm living through this woman. It's true. You are 100% that dancing style. Oh, I love it. I just love seeing myself represented on screen. It's very important for me. It's very good. Yeah. Um, then she ends up taking Porter back to her apartment, which, by the way, if you want to know how Kelly McNamara gets down, baby, well, first she turns on some of her music written by her, performed by her. Yep. And then you get in her bed and y'all fuck under a picture of her. In her band, yep. singing. Yeah, and she loves herself. The ego on this bitch, and I fucking love it. You gotta respect it. Um, Her pipe and lighter are glorious. Oh my god, that dice lighter? I love it. The dice lighter, and then that like ridiculous pipe. It's so cute. It's it, her whole vibe is cute. Like it's just like this over the top, like very into herself ridiculousness. I love it. And then like she like goes to change into something more comfortable and like the most ridiculous like yeah. Uh, like like Porter might as well have like like just gone. Hello. <laughs> No control. Exactly. Arr, Eyes popping out of his lo- his uh, his sockets sm- and the tongue rolling down. Smokes a cigarette down in one drag while thumping his foot on the ground. Well, the smoking thing, he's actively smoking it like it's like a fucking normal tobacco pipe. Like What a he noob. Is, he is chugging on that thing. Fucking poser. Well, it's not that. It's that he, he doesn't get it, so he's just going to be fucked. He's a fucking poser, okay? He doesn't know how to fucking skate. All right? I like to see him do a 360 Christ air. <laughs> fucking poser. Um, I love also uh, later in the scene, uh, I love that he folds his clothes. God, he's so square. I know. I love it. God, I hate him. No, he's the worst, but there's, like, certain quirks where I'm sitting there, I'm like, if you were any other kind of human, like, I'd actually respect you for these things. Like, I get it. I'm totally that person that would fold my clothes. I'm a square. Let's be real. I'm a square. Yeah. I'm sorry for your diagnosis. 
that I'm a square. Yeah. It's okay. Hopefully someone will be able to find the right angle for your treatment. (laughs) If you want that treatment, you might have to go around the block. But um, tis. Don't let me wreck your tangled life. Your chances of survival are four by four. Oh, goodness. These aren't even jokes that make fucking sense. Nope. But I'm doing them anyway. Ba-da-ba-bop. <laughs> um, I do love that when he's in the bed with her, he looks viscerally uncomfortable. Yeah. He looks like he's in physical fucking pain. Yeah. Like like he hasn't taken his underwear off and like the fabric has adhered to his foreskin and it's like peeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. There should be the sound of like tape ripping. <laughs> oh god. As as it's being pulled off. Um Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Um then we go to another party. Yeah, then we go to uh go to this other uh we go to another Z-Man Barzell hang out um and there's a random subplot that's like introduced and then remedied immediately which is we're introduced to the character of Baxter Wolf oh yeah um who w- breaks off an engagement to get reengaged to Aunt Susan it's All such a fast scene. moment. And you know what, though? So sweet. It's so cute. Like, I love Baxter Wolf and Aunt Susan's whole vibe. Like, I love them as a couple. Like, yeah. They've it's got, so cute. They've got, like, weird, like, um, like, bisexual T for T couple energy. <laughs> Accurate. You know? Yeah. Um, also in the scene, it's it's a really offhand comment, and you've got to know what you're looking for when it comes up. But the statement "rough trade" comes up, yeah, in stating like that someone is rough trade, yeah, and like that made me perk up and go, <gasps> oh. "Oh, um." So that was interesting. Yeah, this is the first time I recognized that they were calling her Petronella as well. Yeah, that's. Because they, like, say it so infrequently. Yep. Um, yeah, this is, like, the dark period of the part of, of the story where it begins. Because, like... This is when we start to show... Yeah, like... Um, Harris gets the fuck be out of him. Ashley tells him he's a lousy lay... Well, on the beach, I do want to say when they filmed Ashley saying all this shit, like they had such beautiful filming to be like showing her in strength poses. Yeah. Like from below and all that stuff where she's like standing like a fucking bodybuilder above Harris. She's a powerful presence and he's just like such a soft, soft boy. But Um, yeah, she blatantly says he's a lousy lay. Yeah. And so then um, Harris goes inside and gets beat up. Yep. 
Um, and then Kelly tells Lance and Porter off, and Porter gets found out and fired right then and there. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I guess this is the climax of the movie? Sort No, this is just the, the second act, beginning Another, of the second act. Just a random wrap-up of some of the story arcs? Yeah, well, because there's so much other shit um, that's going on. It's so dense. And uh, I, I wrote in here, there's so many fuckboys in this movie. So we just had, like, the weirdest moment of so many good. Yeah. Um, so uh, Harris goes to see a depressed and pilled-out Casey, and we learn a very important fact. Um, everything that has transpired in the film so far has happened within two weeks. Have you brought any fruits or vegetables onto the planet? Two weeks. Excuse me? Two weeks. Two weeks. It's been two weeks. Just two weeks, that's it. Two Two weeks. All of this has transpired. Um, and uh, everyone's like hit the skids in their lives within two weeks. They've entered a very grim, dark period. And they're reaping what they sowed the week prior, I guess. I guess. I don't know. This is, it's dramatic for two weeks. Um, but yeah. Um, so Harris gets kicked out. Uh, and is told to fuck off. Yep. Um, and we cut to uh, Petronella and the champ in bed uh, together. Yeah, she met him at the party. And then apparently they went home to Petronella's place. And yeah, they hooked up and Emerson is coming home and catches them both in bed the morning after. And I just want to say, what a cute pad that they have, though. Oh, my God. It's so good with that loft area. It's so cute. It's really cute. I um, love it. All of my notes during this scene is just just so many moments of, oh, no, Emerson. Yeah. And then, and then you have Emerson getting rammed over with a car. Oh, my God. With the... the um, the greatest ramp up to uncontrollable rage I've ever seen in a movie where he's just like, you son of a bitch, you're in my way, man. Again, move your ass out of the way, son. Son of a bitch, get the hell out of there. It doesn't make any sense. It goes from like zero to a hundred. Well, and not only that, like what right do you have to get mad right now? Like you're not the one in the right by any means. Nope. So like, yeah, it's it, it threw me for a loop, and I just kept going. Oh no, Emerson! Oh no! You either move your ass, boy, or I'll move it for you. Then we shoot to Casey's place. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So now Harris gets booted, uh, and kicked out, rightfully so. Yeah. Um. And, uh, and poor Casey. Yeah. Everybody's having a rough time after these two weeks. Yeah. Um, and we get another montage. Uh, Z-Man is having a blast in the studio, clapping along. And Harris has this insane five o'clock shadow. 
Oh, yeah. And he's just staring and brooding and looks so unhinged, uh, which culminates in him doing a uh, just a big window smash. Yeah, he does a window smash. Also, I, I know this is really inconsequential to the story. I love that they kind of showed how records are made. Just like amongst every crazy bullshit thing happening in this movie, they have this like grounding moment where they're just showing like, and this is how fucking vinyl records are made. Yeah. Um, so after Harris smashes the display window, um, the the uh, bander going to play uh, Find It as a tribute to Harris. And Harris, who is depressed, is up in the rafters and tries to end it all by throwing himself from the top of the studio and as he descends, makes the noise of an airplane going <laughs> down <laughs> for whatever fucking reason. Cut! Cut! No, don't listen to that man! Keep those cameras rolling! <laughs> yep. Um, and he his face explodes into red paint. Yep. Um, and... People are trying to help him, and the, the host of the TV show is screaming, like, do not turn that camera away. Keep on him. Yeah, it's so gross. It's like they're trying to show how exploitative TV is, but, like, it's so absurd. <laughs> it's so – everything in this movie, like, I love it because all of it is so fucking over the top. And, like, it's it's such a good comedy. It's oh, so yeah. insane. Uh, uh, also, Kelly is just screaming, stop it! Stay away from him! Oh, it's so good. And we have, uh, what's his face? Uh, Susan's now engaged, like, fiancé, saying, like, don't move him anymore, because, yeah. like, they've moved him a few times, and he's like, stop moving Fucking him. Baxter Wolf is the real MVP of he's, this movie. He's the only one who's going, like, hey, medically, you shouldn't fucking move a person. Speaking of real MVPs, we forgot about the most important character who's coming right up when they go to the doctor's office. Who, Roxanne? No, Dr. Scholl! The doctor who gives us the diagnosis of Harris, who oh, has right. the most energy I have ever seen an actor convey on the screen. This man exudes joie de vivre. Fuck, I feel alive. <laughs> God, just so much energy, so much presence. Not since the butler in the Spider-Man movies. Oh, God. The blade that pierced his body came from his gilder. <laughs> okay, his glider, that's right, glider. That's right. All right, here we go again. Okay. The blade that pierced his heart <laughs> All right, Johnny, you're doing great. Boy. You love getting the laughs in dailies. Okay, here uh, we go now. The blade that pierced his body came from your glider. No, his spider. The blade that pierced his body came from his trailer. His gilder. <laughs> um, yeah, so after that, it's been two months since those two weeks. Yeah, which we realize because Roxanne blatantly says it. Which is like, what is time in this movie? I don't know. What is happening? Um, there, uh, 
there's going to be engagement roses for Petronella that are going to be delivered. Um, yeah, and uh, I just love like how Petronella is like ready to throw down. Oh yeah, with the with the famous "you touch him and I'll cut you" line. Oh yeah, so good. And Randy is awful, terrible human. Like he's downright terrible. And like I love, I love that Petronella is like all about protecting like her life with Emerson. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to Sapphix in a field, <laughs> um, which is cool. Um, and um, we also learn that. Harris and Kelly are, like, playing chess together, and, like, Kelly has grown quite a bit in these two months. Um, so I guess, in essence, six weeks. She's grown a lot in six weeks. Yeah. Um, and Z-Man uh, is throwing a private party, we find out, and they all do a bunch of cool drugs and trip out to a bizarre version of In the Hall of the Mountain King. And, uh, yeah, it's such a weird drug scene, like, with Lance, with that fucking apple. (laughs) It's got all the bits on his face. Yeah, it's so weird. And, like, each character gets their own designation of what they're doing while they're fucked up. And, like... We have the cute Roxanne and Casey moment. They're just rubbing on each other's tits. Well, and like and making out. making out, and like, holy shit, that's apparently my eye-opening moment where I was like, oh, teen me. Yeah. Like, lesbians. Yay realizations. Um, and then uh, I wrote down there's a lot of crossed boundaries. In this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, there's a great shot of Roxanne by a window. Like, oh yeah, that. it's so gorgeous. There's a lot of beautiful shots in these scenes. Yeah. Um, we get the big reveal that Z-Man is actually Superwoman. It is I, Superwoman. Um, Z-Man is a gender enigma, and. It's a fucking beautiful thing because the moment that someone starts treating her like shit and not respecting her identity, she pulls out the gilded blade Excalibur and cuts the motherfucker's head off to the 20th century Fox fanfare. And frankly, and frankly, Lance deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Straight up. Um, One of my favorite... Um, sequences of of trans vengeance in film, um, and uh, yeah, at this point, oh my god, the movie is doing the movie thing where the story circles back to yes. the beginning. Now, there's a technical film term for that. Hales, do you know what that's called? No, it's called a chevy. Oh, good. Yeah, whenever you see a movie go back to like start and then the ending it's like circling back around that's called a chabby oh great now i know yeah so you know next time you're watching a movie and they use that you just point at the screen and just go chabby 
sure thing. Just do it. Sure. Nike. Just do it. You're right. <laughs> you got it. Um, so yeah, we're now at the beginning of the movie and we are stabbing Nazis on the beach, motherfucker. Hell yeah. Love it. Um, this is also where we circle back to the gun in the mouth moment. How long does it take for you to realize that there's a gun in your mouth? Uh, that's a lot of drugs, so it would take you quite a while. Yeah, I also like how in, in this sequence of events that we're witnessing, we see what happens when the trigger is pulled, and there's like this comical amount of blood that sprays out of her nose and eyes and mouth um, for like a split second. Oh, yeah. And it's, it is fucking ridiculous. Like, I don't think that's how that works. But stylistically, wow. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. Um, the next part, the next part oh. uh, made me almost cry. Yeah. Poor Casey. Yeah. Surprise death of the movie. Casey gets shot in the head um, by Zeman Brazil. It makes me so upset. Um. Yeah. She didn't deserve it. What a terrible night. Yeah. Like the worst fucking night. What a awful fucking evening. Yeah, it's poor everybody. I, I literally wrote down poor everyone except for Harris. He's got feeling in his legs again. Yeah, because that thing that the doctor said would happen if they were in a movie happened. Exactly. In the movie. It's incredible. Um, And yeah. You get ending narration because apparently there's a moral here. Apparently. Uh, to all of this. Um, you get a wedding and... Uh, a triple wedding. Triple wedding and the reveal that Porter is living rough on the streets and probably lost part of his mind. Oh, yeah. 100%. So. I do love that... Um, all's well that ends well? Not really. Not really. Uh, Petronella's arm is still in a sw in a sling when they have their wedding. Yeah. Uh, because Petronella got shot in the shoulder. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's the movie. That is the movie. Very exciting. Found it. Now, Hales. Yes. I want to. Um. I want to. I want to play a little game with you. Now that we've ended our our discussion on the movie. Um, this is a little segment, very short, just called Looking to Score. Looking to Score. And in Looking to Score, what we do is we score the movie. Now, you can only measure your score of this film based on something from the movie. So, an example would be, um... I'll, you know what? I'll give my score. I give this 10 random injections of the line, find it. Uh, I give it 10 of those out of 10. Find it! <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I give it 10 winking old ladies with red hair out of 10. 
So you definitely like to strap this one on sometime. I definitely like to strap this one Love on it. sometime. That's looking to score. Now it's time for my favorite game. This is a game called Doing Lines. Do it. Here's how Doing Lines works. I've written down my five favorite quotes from this movie. Hills has written down their favorite quotes from this movie. And what we are going to do is using only these lines of dialogue, have a conversation. So I will start with my line. They will reply with their line like it's a conversation and vice versa until we have run out of lines. Hales, do you understand? Yes. Okay. You ready? Sure. Okay. When does any party start? When you get here. Susan! Susan! You got me in a rage. Well, and you're a moon child, and you're a bitch. I have a waiting pool of mayonnaise. Mayonnaise? This is my happening, and it freaks me out. Lose your laundry, Porter. Do you want something stronger? Yeah, but they don't serve it at bars. Get thine ass in gear and guard your angry loins. Hey, if you touch him, I'll cut you. Do the cries of six million innocents still ring in your ears? They are waiting for you. <laughs> and that's doing lines with arguably ending with the best line in the entire movie and the only thing that you should ever say when you're stabbing a Nazi to death on the beach. Yes. Um... So, yeah, I uh, would like to wrap this up a little bit with my top five moments from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. This is my list of the top five moments in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Cue the music! Number five. When Z-Man Barzell wears the exoskeleton combat suit for the first time. Four, when Kelly McNamara dons her cloak of invisibility and sneaks into J.K. Rowling's house and eats all of her food. Number three, when Petronella takes up the blade of the immortal and collects the souls of those who wronged her. Number two, the monkey bone love scene. And number five, the secret cameo by former president and war criminal Bill Clinton. And that's it. Those are my top five moments from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. What are your top five? Did you spot these moments? Did you love them? I sure did. What'd you think, Hales? Oh, yes, definitely. The exoskeleton part is my favorite. Is a nice nod to the film that would be released in the future titled Edge of Tomorrow, starring Thomas Cruise. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, that's it. That's it for this episode, this debut episode of Saturday Night at the Ruvies. Woo! Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in. 
My name is Rue. And I'm Hales. Reminding you that, hey, it doesn't matter if you're eating cheese or if you're getting a bunch of the battery grease. All that matters if you're having fun with what you do. That's why we're talking movies with Rue. So, yeah, join us for our next episode where we'll be discussing this. Oh, hi, Mark. Hope you had fun, bitch. Bye. Backdraft. So dense. <laughs>